Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome to this week's edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. So how's your week? I know you. Uh, we've both been enjoying a, a kind of a lazy weekend. How uh, How's yours going? Uh, it's going pretty good. I uh, went and saw a couple of movies last night, saw Beauty and the Beast for the second time, and also saw Kong Skull Island, which was very, very good. Oh, cool! If I've you, been wanting to see that. I just I haven't been to the movies in a while. Yeah, it's Kong was one of those I was kind of iffy on, but then when the last trailer came out, I'm like, that actually looks kind of good. Yeah. And then you know, a friend of mine at work went and saw it, and he was like, "You need to see it. It's really, really good." I saw it. We did a double feature last night. We saw Beauty and the Beast, and then immediately afterwards <laughs> saw Kong. So wow. Uh, did that. Um, I think I mentioned last week, I can't remember if I did or not, I did see the new Power Rangers movie, and that was surprisingly good. Yeah, I so still if haven't you're, seen it. I, I, yeah, it'll probably be a while before I can. Yeah, if if, I mean, if you're a fan of the Power Rangers, you should definitely give it a chance, because I know the reviews were kind of mixed, but you know, as someone, and I went in you know, just with empty expectations, it surprised me. It was actually a good movie. Well, that's good. So I, I've heard... I would, I got a I lot of friends of mine that three. were uh, Power Rangers fans, and they're quite surprised at how good it is. I think it's just because all movies like that that are adaptations of, say, 90s kid shows mm-hmm. or you know, really shows in general are not that good. <laughs> because I, I, for those who watched uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z growing up, the live-action adaptation of that was a... Uh, to, Put it nicely, a steaming pile of cow shit. <laughs> I didn't I, honestly. I didn't even know they made a live action Dragon Ball Z. That's uh, that's news to me. 
Oh, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. It was, (laughs) it felt like the, the effects, I'm trying to even put it into words. The effects looked like they were made in the nineties and, and not in the good way. Yeah, that's not good. Because there were some movies, and you know, I'm I'm sure you'll agree with me with the effects like Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park. Those still hold up today, yeah. you know, over 20 years later. But this, ugh, it was it was a pile of shit. Yeah, that was um the the there was an era of movies between um Jurassic Park in '93, and I would say early 2000s I, I can't really put my finger on when exactly it started to change uh for the better but there's like a 10 to 12 year period there where uh everything was cgi and it all looks awful yeah it was the new toy that yeah. everybody wanted to play with they're like oh we can make things in the computer let's do it no maybe and, you shouldn't <laughs> yeah i mean now you can but yeah you know, there, well, there are some exceptions, like I said, Terminator 2 and Jurassic yeah. Park, that the effects were, were really, really good. But, you know, it's well, like we mentioned a week or two weeks ago. Yeah. You know, 90s, I'll give music, but 80s, you know, give me the 80s movies all day long. Yeah. Well, I think it's when you have movies that are a mixture of practical effects and CGI, that's when it works for me. But every anything that's like straight CGI just does not look good at all yeah if you're trying to do like live action and mix you know too much cg in it it, it's it's awful it just it looks fake you know and this one you got to decide do you want to use you know more practical effects or do you want to go straight animated so Hmm. well i'm i'm in the same boat i think it's we're finally getting to the point where people are appreciating practical effects again. And that's just, that was a lost art for a while. I was really worried that there were, you know, that all those great special effects artists were just going to go the way of the Dodo, you know, like it was going to be a lost art and it was going to be all CGI all the time from here on out. But I think they've found a good medium nowadays. I think especially when Force Awakens came out and yes. they made such a big deal about it being, you know, going back to practical effects. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, Star Wars is doing it. We should do it. Yeah. Uh, so that, whenever J.J. St- Abrams and Star Wars and Disney say they're going to do something, everybody else is going to follow suit. And uh, I don't blame them in the slightest. But uh, let's go ahead and move into our news for this week. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> You know, you would think after years I would learn how to use a soundboard. I'm still horrible at it. It's awful. <laughs> uh, it's all good. But it's this comes good. to us from Retro Collect. The med- med- there are Mega Drive developers uh, they, that are announcing a Paprium game, the spiritual successor to Streets of Rage. Um, back in 2012, the homebrew develop- developers Watermelon announced that their next game to hit the Mega Drive had been begun development. Codename Project Y was underway, which promised to be the spiritual successor to the dormant Streets of Rage name. Fast forward to today, and the prolific 16-bit studio have revealed all with Paprium, the newest game to be smashing through the Sega systems uh, come September. 
drawing a fistful of inspiration from Final Fight, Streets of Rage, and many more of the side-scrolling brawlers, it's safe to say that fans of the genre will have something to get stuck into. From memorable locations to fast-paced action coupled with heavy-hitting soundtrack, uh, Paprium appears to have it all. It's due for a release on physical cartridge this September starting at $69. You know, when you mentioned Streets of Rage, I thought to myself, that look that sounds really, really familiar. I never played this game, but I recognize, you know, seeing bits of gameplay from it. Like I'm looking at the the artwork and everything, and I, I definitely remember seeing this in stores. Yeah. But like I said, I never never actually played it. So I mean it's it's cool they're doing uh you know, they're doing another one. Yeah, it has that classic Capcom look to it, like Final oh, Fight. Yeah. So that's what I like about it. Um, this is really interesting to me. So I'm going to keep my eye out for this. Um, I may actually pick up a copy of this um, when it comes out. No, for sure. No, if you if you did, I'd be excited to hear your review of it. But yeah, it it ha- <clears throat> it has that very distinct, you know, look like you said the Capcom because that to me has a very distinctive style. Yeah. Like you see it and you know instantly what it is. Oh yeah, uh, just go to like I, like I said, this is from Retro Collect. It's the uh, it's the newest article on there. Go check it out. Look at all the pictures and they actually have a a video up too. So go check that out. It's the release trailer for Paprium. Absolutely. Our last bit of news comes to us from RetroGamer.net. Blizzard has announced a 4K remaster of its classic game StarCraft, a sci-fi real-time strategy game which won legions of fans. StarCraft Remastered features graphics redrawn in the original style but at a much higher resolution, re-recorded music, and voice acting, and new race-themed comic book interludes. The original game and its Brood War expansion will be included within the new version, and the whole thing will work on the new Blizzard Friends and Matchmaking service, replacing the old Battle.net system. The game will be available this summer. We actually just talked about this last week because StarCraft was celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, and um, I, a couple of days later is when I hear... Uh, some people talking about this, the remastered version, and then I saw the the actual announcement um, a couple of days later, and I hear that there's a rumor that Blizzard is going to be releasing this for free if you have a Battle.net account. Well, it's Ooh. not Battle.net anymore. It's whatever they're... I think they're just going to be calling it uh, the Blizzard launcher now. So basically, the rumor is if you have a pre-existing account, you get it for free. I think so, but it could be for new people too. I think it's just going to be free with a Battle.net wow. account. If Which, that's the case, that's huge. Yeah, well, it wouldn't surprise me at all because they would stand to make more money off of this. Because if you look at most of their games now, they have Heroes of the Storm, they have uh, Hearthstone, and those two games are free to play. Um, but you can pay for like, like in Hearthstone, you can pay for card packs. You can pay for, um, to be, uh, to do arenas and stuff like that. Um, they do make a lot of money off of these quote unquote free games. So I, I'm not sure what their, um, what they would have like a store or something where you could buy things for in game to actually make money off of this. Um, but if anybody's going to be able to do it, it's going to be Blizzard. And for this to come out for free would not surprise me in the least. 
And I think, you know, the, this might sound a little, you know, weird, but to me, the thing that stands out, not as just that it's remastered, it's remastered in 4k. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It says that, um, it's been completely redone. Um, as, as far as, as far as everything goes, I mean, the graphics have been redrawn, uh, re-recorded music and voice acting. I mean, they're going back and really, really doing this thing up. They're doing it right, which I think is great. Uh, what's interesting is, you know, like 4K to me is like the new version of <clears throat> HD because I remember, yeah. you know, we had standard def for the longest time and, you know, HD came out and it completely changed the way that we look at things. And now you can't look at anything that's standard def and you're like, oh, it looks like garbage. Yeah. But, you know, it, with 4K... Especially because like I have a one of my cameras I have shoots in 4K, and I filmed a uh, a fireworks show in 4K, and it even like you wouldn't think the difference would be huge, but it is. Yeah, like it's it's even clearer. It's in a way almost too clear, but it's really really cool. And the fact that they're doing it in 4K is awesome. Yeah, it's exciting, and there's no definite release date yet. Uh, that should be coming soon, but Blizzard pretty much lives on their own time frame. So if yeah. they say summer, more than likely it's going to be late summer. Probably, I'm guessing August or September. The day before the first day of fall. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because they're going to make sure that that's the one thing you can say about Blizzard. They are they don't hold themselves to release dates. They hold on to things until they're damn near perfect. I mean, that's why it took almost like a decade for uh, Diablo 3 to come out. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with Nintendo. You know, people give them a lot of crap for, you know, pushing games back and pushing them back again. I mean, they did it with Breath of the Wild. And but the thing that I like about Nintendo with them doing that is they don't release a game until they feel that it's ready. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it should be. I'm willing to wait longer for a game that I want to play as long as it's right when I get it and it's not broken or because have I, to download patches on the first day. Yeah, you have to do the day one updates. You, yeah. know, you buy the game, you put the game in, and then you're like, well, now I have to wait two and a half hours yeah. for the patch or whatever it is to download. Yeah, got to download an eight gig patch to to fix a game that I just bought. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's 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 a bit much, but no, I I don't I don't foresee myself playing it, but I'm excited to see the StarCraft remake. Oh, I'm definitely gonna play it. I'm I'm really looking forward to this even if they if you do have to pay for it which i doubt they're going to do that i really do think it's going to be a free to play i'm willing to pay for it because i just want to play because i never got to play the first one so i'm really interested in it sweet but let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history in 1982, April 19th, Namco releases Dig Dug, manufactured by Atari in North America. I love Dig Dug. Oh, Dig Dug's awesome. Yeah, when Dig I think Dug of... Dig Dug is one of the greatest arcade games of oh, all time. Oh, yeah. When I think of arcade games, like 80s arcade, Dig Dug is one of those games that definitely pops to mind first. Did you ever see the movie Wreck-It Ralph? Yes, I did, of course. <laughs> Was Dig Dug in that movie? He, I don't think he was. And that's He weird. needs to be in the sequel. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, Dig Dug's great. I, I had I mean I didn't know when it was released, but 
you know, it, it's in all the, you know, Atari collections yeah. or whatever, you know, you can download like the, the, the disc or, you know, buy the old Atari controller that has like games on it. Yeah. it Dig Dug's in all of those ensembles. Oh, Dig yeah. Dug's great. I think I still have my copy of Dig Dug somewhere. Wherever my Atari is uh, hidden somewhere in the bowels of this house uh, in storage, it, I have a copy of Dig Dug in there. Sweet. In 1984, in April, Namco releases Gapless, the sequel to Galaga. I had no idea there was a sequel to Galaga. <laughs> I didn't either. I thought, if, if you would have asked me, I would have thought there was a Galaga 2. Like, I could almost see that there were, uh, you know, like I had seen a um, a cabinet with Galaga 2 written on the side, but I, I don't know, selective memory, I guess. I mean, the gameplay looks very similar and the graphics look very similar. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. No, interesting. I, like I said, I had no idea there was a Galaga sequel. I didn't either. I Like I said, if there was a Galaga sequel, I, I would have bet my life it would have been called Galaga 2. But uh, in yeah. 1985, in April, Atari Games releases Paperboy with a controller modeled after bicycle handlebars. Did you ever play Paperboy? I've never played it. I've heard of it, but never played it. I never played the arcade version, but I did play it on Nintendo. And I I'm, I don't like that game at all. Maybe, maybe the playing it in the arcade with the actual controller the bicycle handlebar controller might be fun, but the, when it got ported to Nintendo, it was a big deal. I mean, it was one of those, one of the bigger Nintendo games at the time, but it just didn't port well as far as the controller is concerned. Playing it with the controller, you know, modified to be bicycle handlebars, like I, that could be pretty cool because having that physical attachment like in an arcade game like you know if you're doing mario kart you have the steering wheel yeah doing it like that i think might make the experience a little better but yeah the the game never really appealed to me like i had no real want to ever play paperboy yeah why would you want to play a game based on a job yeah i know it just <laughs> makes you you play games to forget about real life exactly not be reminded of it <laughs> But in 1990, Konami releases Snake's Revenge, a sequel to Metal Gear for the Nintendo Entertainment System in North America, developed without the involvement of Hideo, Hideo Kojima. I, I will never, say this, I've never played a Metal Gear game. I never played the Metal Gear games for Nintendo. I I have played a little bit of the ones for um, PlayStation. Um, I think it was PlayStation. What was one? I think it was on PlayStation 3. Three, two, or three, whichever. I know I played some before. I don't remember which ones. I could because I never really got into the Metal Gear um, franchise. It just never really was my cup of tea. But um, I just wonder: are, are all those games connected, or like, are they all about the same guy? Like, even I believe going so. Back yeah, they're Nintendo? based on Solid Snake. Hmm. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, that's a. You know, to go from a Nintendo game all the way up to, like, PlayStation 3. And in hell, they might even have a Metal Gear game from PlayStation 4. I don't know. But that's a that's a long time to be hanging around. Yeah, that series has been around a long, long time. And, you know, I, I say it even if I'm not, you know, a big fan of the franchise. I give them all credit if they're able to have the longevity that they do. Yeah, it's been around so long, I'm surprised they haven't made a movie franchise out of it. You know, that's actually a very good point. Hmm. 
<laughs> no one uh, probably like next week will have like an announcement they're gonna have a metal gear solid movie <laughs> breaking news metal yeah. gear to be adapted into a movie it's weird because every time we talk about something there's news about it the next week well then if that's the case let me say this it hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was a legend of zelda movie <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if we both won the lottery <laughs> oh even better uh, and also in April of 1990, Williams releases Smash TV in arcades, a twin-stick shooter about an ultra-violent game show. I never played the arcade version of this, but I did play the Nintendo version of it, which was kind of cool at the time because you actually had to use both of the controllers to play. I have actually never heard of this, but the concept actually sounds really cool. The yeah, whole game show aspect. Yeah, you use one of the controllers to move. It's a lot like those um, endless shooters now. Like um, there have been a lot of them out on the PlayStation Network. I had there was I had one not too long ago that was that was about zombies. Um, but it's like a top down. Um, basically, you've got your characters on the screen, and you control the character with the left um, joystick. And then another joystick on the right, which controls where you're shooting, if you get my meaning. Um, mm -hmm. You have a 360-degree radius of where you can shoot um, using the right controller. And you move around on the screen with the left controller, and there's just kind of like endless waves of enemies that keep coming onto the screen. And, you know, you keep getting power-ups and all kind of stuff like that. It's a really fun uh, game concept which still is around till today. Yeah, I'm looking at a couple of screen caps now. The it, it looks like a fun game to play. Yeah, and it's a lot of, Yeah, it's a lot easier to play that type of game these days with the um the what do you call them the sticks the I can't even think right now. <laughs> the the analog sticks. Yeah. On the controllers. God, my brain. <laughs> no, it's all good. Mine's the same way. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking at some of these quotes. Yes, it says here the game features verbal interjections from the game show host, such as "total carnage." I love it, and dude, I'd buy that for a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> that, I, I love little corny phrases like that. Yeah, it, awesome. was, it was fun because you. I actually think that they used the actual voice of the guy from uh, RoboCop in the original NES because it sounds like him when he says, uh, "I'd buy that for a dollar." Yeah, it says here it's a reference to the catchphrase of Bigsby Snyder, a fictional television comic in the 87 film RoboCop. Yeah. That was a Sweet. fun game, though. Also in April of 1990, Nintendo releases Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light in Japan, innovating the tactical role-playing genre. Yeah, this is I have a never Japanese played a Fire game. Emblem game. I have never even heard of this. I haven't heard of this game, but I know of the Fire Emblem series. I know they're really popular in Japan, and they have, you know, they, they have a, a decent following here in the U.S., but the only real interaction I've had with Fire Emblem is Fire Emblem characters being included on Super Smash Brothers. Hmm. Yeah, I've never that's, even that's heard really of this franchise, it. so this is completely going over my head. Yeah, it, it's, your, it's your typical RPG-type game, but like I said, I've heard good things. I have to check it out. Uh, on yeah. April 16th of 1992, Origin Systems releases Ultima 7, the Black Gate for the PC. Ultima is still around, and it's crazy to know that Ultima 7 was released in, released in 1992. 
So this game's been around a long time. I've never heard of this series. You never heard of Ultima? I have not. Um, I will look it up right now, though. I had to hit the cough button there for a second. Um, it, Ultima is um, it's basically just an RPG. It's kind of the spiritual grandfather to like World of Warcraft and stuff like that because they did have an online Ultima game that came out in the late 90s. And the crazy thing is, is people are still playing it online. Wow. And it's still getting updates to this day. That's crazy. Yeah, it's huge, man. Yeah, I'm looking at the little bit of the description. Yeah, there's quite a few Ultima games. Oh, yeah, I'm there's, sure. Let's see, they made it to 7, then they had Ultima, the Savage Empire for SNES, and then Ultima Underworld for PS1. Hmm. Yeah, I know they were, they've been putting out Ultima games for like 30 years now. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that franchise. That's crazy. No, I'd never heard of it, but I, I, I'd look more into it. And then our last bit of this month in video game history comes to us as well from 1992 on April 27th, Nintendo releases Kirby's dreamland for the game boy. The first game in the Kirby series. I played this game quite a bit on road trips on my uh, original a uh, gray brick Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, haven't played too many Kirby games after that, but this game is a lot of fun. You know, Kirby games they're they're not that challenging, but they have very addictive gameplay. Yeah, uh, Kirby was always a little too cutesy for me, so I've I've never played a single Kirby game ever. What's funny is he's one of the best characters in Smash Brothers because <laughs> you can copy other like your opponent's abilities. And use them against him, but he also has some really good moves on his own too. So, That's Kirby's awesome. uh, Kirby's a little bit underrated, in my opinion. Cool. I, I I'll be honest, I've never played Smash Brothers, so I wouldn't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, one day we'll have to change that. I, know, I think you'd really, I, I think you'd really like it. I'm sure I would. I just, it's one of those games that just quietly passed me by, and I never got to play it. Yeah, it's um, we'll we'll have to we'll have to fix that. But before we get to my review this week, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as Jason mentioned, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. They have anything from Star Wars, they have Divergent, War of the Rings, The Hobbit, Mass Effect, Gears of War, Halo autobiographies, mystery books, romance books, any genre you can think of, Audible has it. Oh, I'll tell you what you need to go get with uh, Stephen King's It about to come out in theaters. You need to go get Stephen King's It and listen to that before it comes out in the theater. I watched that trailer because I've never seen the original one. It's great. I, mean, I saw sure the trailer probably, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm sure Clowns it doesn't freak hold me up. out too much. But uh, I loved that movie when I was a kid, so I, I I would love to go back and watch it and see if it holds up. If I watch it, it will have to be in a very brightly lit room with a group of people. <laughs> it's got Tim Curry in it as uh, Pennywise the Clown. Spice, spice. <laughs> 
But again, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And now for this week's review. Uh, doesn't that doesn't that music just make you want to go on an adventure? Oh yeah, it does. <laughs> I, I love capturing the music for these old games, man. Especially stuff that I haven't heard in about twenty years, like this game. Um, I have not pl- even looked at this game since, like, probably since it came out. But if you're wondering what game we're talking about, I will be reviewing Donkey Kong Country Two: Diddy's Conquest for the Super Nintendo. It's an adventure platform video game developed by Rare and published by Nintendo. It was re- first released on November 20th, 1995 in North America. Uh, released right around the same time in Japan and then in December in Europe. It's the second ins- installment of the Donkey Kong Country series and serves as a direct sequel to Donkey Kong Country. The story revolves around Diddy Kong and his girlfriend Dixie, who try to rescue Donkey Kong after he's abducted by King K. Rule. The game is set on Crocodile Isle, in which there are eight worlds of varying environments totaling 52 levels. The game utilizes the same graphics technology from the original, which is basically like pre-rendered 3D imagery. And Diddy's Conquest was a very highly praised game, and I agree, first of all, I'll say I agree with all of it, I love the Donkey Kong Country games. I remember, you know, whenever I was reviewing Donkey Kong Country 1, getting the VHS tape in the mail that had, like, the -the behind-the-scenes look of the team that was making Donkey Kong, and just seeing, like, how much fun they had coming up with these characters and just coming up with the story and everything, it made me enjoy the game even more. And to me, this is the perfect sequel to a game because... It takes everything that was great about the original and it adds to it in a good way. Yeah. I think that what's great about this game is you have, um, you know, Diddy is still like he was in Donkey Kong Country 1. He's kind of the quick character. And then you have Dixie, who has this really long ponytail who can spin it in the air so you can basically glide (laughs) from like one area to the other. Um, It has the return of the animals that you can ride you have um from the original game you have Rambi the rhino ungard the swordfish and squawks the parrot but new ones which i think are quite possibly even better you have uh, uh you have let's see clapper the seal radley the rattlesnake glimmer the anglerfish and my personal favorite squitter the spider because you can shoot spider webs and you can actually use them to climb from you know platform to platform the, and another thing that I think is really great about this game is the, as I mentioned earlier, the variety. You know, you start out on a pirate ship, which is where you end game one, but then you go from areas like to to snow levels to inside a volcano. You know, you go to so many different places, and the variety of that I think is, you know, I think that's great because if you have a game that's just kind of set in the same area, it gets kind of old after a while. Yeah. 
but with the variety, I think, you know, I think it's really, really good. And it, it's interesting, like, the, the, to me, the story's interesting because it's a Donkey Kong game, but you don't play as Donkey Kong. You're actually having to rescue him. And, I, you know, I thought that was kind of cool. Well, the cool thing about these games, especially the Donkey Kong Country games, is these games, the the graphics and the gameplay on these games still hold up today. It, it's nuts how good these games still look to this day. Oh, absolutely. And what's interesting is I think it was Shigeru Miyamoto actually said initially he didn't care for the art style of Donkey Kong Country. That's nuts. Like he... Like he thought it would never, it would never go over with fans. Hmm. But I say these are some of the best looking SNES games that were made. Oh yeah, I mean I can probably count, you know, on two hands, games on the Super Nintendo that still look great to this day. Uh, I mean, you you look at like Donkey Kong Country games, and you got Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past, uh, Final Fight. All those games look fantastic, even still to this day. No, absolutely. Um, another thing that I think is really great about this game is the music. You know, the music to the Donkey Kong games always stick in my mind because they're they're not extremely like they're not extremely known, like say the Mario theme or a, a theme from the Sonic games, but they're always so catchy. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a consistent with the uh, with the rare games like Donkey Kong, and then you know going on to like Banjo Kazooie and Donkey Kong sixty four for the N sixty four. The music is some of the best I think in the uh, in the SNES era. Um, I've looked you know on YouTube, something that I've been kind of going through a phase now is finding remix versions of retro themes. And I've been finding quite a few from Donkey Kong Country 2. And these are like fan-made remixes. But there are way more from Donkey Kong Country 2 than any of the other ones. Yeah. So I think, you know, that alone speaks to how popular the music is in this game. And, you know, bringing back, you know, all the other Kongs like Cranky Kong, Funky Kong, and they're all in different roles in a way. But I think that's... um, I think that's a good thing because it kind of adds a little bit of a comic relief to it, seeing, you know, what Cranky Kong is doing. Because in one game, he's just sitting in his old rocking chair, being that bitter old man. (laughs) Uh, In the the next game, he's running a museum. In Donkey Kong 64, he's a scientist. So I think, you know, seeing what they're going to do as well and seeing how they're involved is, uh, is a cool thing, too. So do you think with um, the Switch doing so well, which which actually we should have mentioned this in news, the Switch is the fastest selling uh, console that Nintendo has ever done. That makes me so happy. I know. And they're upping the production so that um, I think within the next month or so, uh, stores are going to be restocked. And they will, will make sure that they don't run out. So good must be somebody's listening at Nintendo. But do you think with the switch and how popular it it, it is now and how popular it's going to be? Do you think we're ever going to see a return to things like Donkey Kong Country? Do you think um, they'll ever dip a toe back in that well and bring back another maybe doesn't necessarily have to be a 2D side scroller, which I think they're going to 2D side scrollers are going to make a comeback here soon. 
Um, but do you think we'll ever make a return to Donkey Kong Country or maybe some of the other franchises that Nintendo has left behind? Well, there is a, I can't remember if it's for the Wii or the Wii U. There actually is a, a game called Donkey Kong Country Returns where it's it's a 2D side-scroller, but the graphics are obviously much different. Yeah, It's kind of that 2, 2.5D side-scroller. And I've briefly played them. I mean, they're still fun. But you know, it's not it's not nearly as fun as the originals. I would love to see you know them do one for the Switch. And I also agree with you. I do think the the platformer 2D side scroller is going to make a comeback soon because we've got um, one that I know a lot of people are excited about is Sonic Mania. Yeah, which is coming out fairly soon. It's modeled very similar to the old Sega Genesis Sonic games. So that I'm I'm very happy with. So. I'd love to see it. You know, I don't know if they'd be able to make one as good as this one, because to me, Donkey Kong Country 2 is the pinnacle of that franchise. And soon, you know, I'll I'll review Donkey Kong Country 3 and explain why I think that's the um, the low point hmm. of the franchise and not Donkey Kong 64 like a lot of people think. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I never played Part 3. Um and like 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 we had talked about this before, I think the reason I think that the 2D side scrollers and are going to make another comeback is because they do take skill to play. And I think that there's a yearning for that type of gameplay again. Um, I mean, not that I don't like games today, like, you know, immersive games with these huge worlds that you go into and you get immersed into. Those are great. But. When I want to play a game sometimes, I always find myself going back to the well of mm-hmm. retro gaming, like 2D side-scrollers and beat-em-ups and things like that. And then if I want to play an RPG, like I, I want to play something like uh, Legend of Zelda, things like that. I think that's going to make um, a comeback here soon. And I think Donkey Kong Country is ripe for a remake because from what I hear, I heard rumors that they're going to make a Banjo-Kazooie game, a new one. Oh, that'd be so awesome. There is a, a spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's called Ukulele. That, it's that's made what by, I've heard. Yes, yes, I heard about that. Yeah, it's made by, it's not made by Rare. It's made by the same group that worked for Rare who made Banjo-Kazooie. And they did a Kickstarter for this, and I've watched a little bit of gameplay, and it it feels so much like Banjo-Kazooie, it's not even funny. Awesome. But I would love to see a legitimate Banjo-Kazooie 3 happen. That would be awesome, because that's, you know, I'll review those games at some point. Those are some of my, like, favorite N64 games of all time. Like, Banjo-Kazooie's in my, like, top three to top five N64 games. Yeah, I really think Nintendo needs to dip back into the well to some of these older franchises like Banjo-Kazooie, bring Donkey Kong Country back, and definitely, you know, Star Tropics had such a promising start. Um, and it's gameplay and it's, it's the world that it's in. I really wish Nintendo would go back and redo star tropics, um, as us on the switch as with updated graphics, maybe not the same original game, but just do a, a game in that universe with today's technology. I think that would be awesome. 
Yeah, there are so many franchises they could bring back. Like, I, I would love to see a new Metroid. Star Fox. Star Fox, yeah. Which, E3 is coming up in a couple of months, and I've heard rumblings that Nintendo is going to have a big presence at E3. So I, now that the Switch is out, they can focus on nothing but the games. Yes. And that's exactly what they need to do. Just announce a ton of games. Like, can you imagine? Because we've got Mario Odyssey coming out at Christmas. Could you imagine like a a Star Fox or a Metroid in like October? Well, I think that's actually going to happen because, you know, video game systems aren't known for being released in March. Most video game systems are released towards the end of the year so they can get that holiday sales um, and boost the numbers. And it's weird that Nintendo released it in March because nothing gets released in March. And I think what is actually happening is this has been pretty much a soft launch to see how well it was going to do. But I think by late summer, we're going to start getting some, uh, we're going to start getting hit in the face with a lot of Nintendo, uh, new Nintendo games that they're going to be coming out with at the end of the year. I don't think we've heard all that's going to be coming out this year. I think they're, they've been holding a lot of stuff close to the vest i hope so i i'm really excited for it you know nintendo has been really out of the limelight for a while and yeah. i hope that i hope this is the start of them getting back into it i hope so i'm excited about getting a uh, a switch i want one really bad but like i said i'm gonna wait a bit um get some of my bills paid off and out of the way um, yeah that way by christmas time you know, that'll be a perfect Christmas gift for myself is to get a switch with uh, breath of the wild. And, um, maybe we'll get a Metroid announcement soon. You never know. I, I have a feeling we're going to get a Metroid announcement soon. And you'll have Mario Odyssey. Oh, I'm so excited. I haven't been this excited about a Nintendo, uh, console in 20 years. Uh, I haven't either. But so far, you know, I'm still really enjoying it. Breath of the Wild is fantastic. Uh, I haven't been sucked into a game like this in years. Probably since the last Zelda game came out. That's awesome. But it's it's really, really good. But to, to give a quick conclusion to uh, my review of Donkey Kong Country 2, um, the game received critical acclaim. The SNES version holds an aggregate score of 92% at game rankings. Uh, just to list a few, let's see, Eurogamer gave it 8 out of 10, GameSpot gave it an 8 out of 10, IGN 8.8 .8 out of 10, and Nintendojo gave it a 9.9 .9 out wow. of 10. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, I would give this probably a solid 8. You know, the replay value is there. The The story is fun. The story is different than anything in the Donkey Kong Country series up to that point. Um, the addition of Dixie Kong makes the gameplay so much better. Um, better bonus games, better, you know, animal companions. Just it, it did what I said, you know, at the beginning of the review. It took everything that was great about Donkey Country, Donkey Kong Country 1 and added to it in a good way. It had that Nintendo magic. Absolutely. Highly recommend anybody get Donkey Kong Country 2 and play it. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you wanted to talk about this week before we get out of here? Um, no, I don't believe so. 
Um, we do have a couple of guests coming up this month. We're going oh, we to do, have yes. Mr. Joey Image coming up in a couple of weeks, and also Brian Dunaway from uh, Comics Coast to Coast, Film Sack, and he used to be on a little game, a video game podcast called The Final Score. So both of those guys will be on this month. Sweet. Well, awesome. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. Let's go ahead and uh, do our stuff here. If I can find the theme. Yeah, it's here somewhere. <laughs> if you would like to go. email us, uh, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're also at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. You can follow us individually on Twitter at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're also at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. I'd buy that for a dollar. You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.